listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. James Harden is once again proving himself to be one of the biggest winners in all of basketball, pro, college, globetrotters, whatever, that when he puts his mind to it, he's one of the best players in the league. And though he has yet to win a title, we all know, and Billy Bean has taught us this in baseball, there's randomness to the playoffs. It's getting to the playoffs that is about skill, and then it's kind of random after. I'm not sure I totally believe that. But I kind of do. And that's Harden. Yeah, you could look at him side-eyed and say, well, maybe he did something wrong here or here. That's all going to be footnotes. This guy in 10, 20 years is going to go down as one of the greats. And whatever the – it's my last comment. I'll let you jump in. Whatever the argument was against him in Houston, he's debunked that by going to the Nets and being outstanding in their system. And then in three games – going to Philly with Embiid, one of the most difficult players in the league to play with on offense. We saw Simmons struggle with it. And for Harden, it was like waking up and brushing his teeth. All right, your turn. Uh, my turn is it, it, James Harden is one of the best regular season players of all time. But inevitably, James Harden will do what he always does, and he will quit, or he will have a, a lackluster effort. Well, hold on. When does uh, he, he quits point. in the playoffs? He has before, absolutely. What was he an example of that? He quit in the playoffs against the Spurs, just flat out quit in the middle of the game. Okay, and how, what year was this? Oh, I, I, I don't know. In 2011 or something? No, it wasn't that long ago. All right. So let's let's kind of set that off to the side. And uh, so you're saying he quit in the middle of a game. Like, what? Tell us visually what he did. I started walking on the court. I mean, it, this was it, it was it was pretty well documented. Was the game at the time. was the game over? No, it, I, mean, I mean it was, was falling it, apart. Things were it, falling apart. It was him. a competitive game in the playoffs, and for the only time in his career, he decided he wasn't going to run. Well, it was the it was getting to where it wasn't competitive anymore. It was going not their way. So it made and no it was difference. Going to be an elimination game. So it made no difference. Uh, well, maybe not. Are you big on running out ground balls? Yeah. Okay, you're old school, buddy. James Harden <laughs> is not old school. I admit that. But, that, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you feel ambivalent about your hate for him because of the – let me say this. How much more impressed are you from James Harden after Brooklyn and now, now after Philly with his ability to integrate into seemingly any offense? No more impressed. I mean, I think, he, I, I think he's a very good player. I just don't think he's a winner. Okay. Now, let me pose the following. Now, this is going to be – some people are going to consider this to be a hot take. Now, I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. I don't think this is a hot take. I genuinely believe it. Cold cash over hot takes. Okay, here's my point. 
Golden State, when they had Durant, and it was the year Houston was up 3-2 against them, is considered to be the best team in NBA history. And I'm not even, to be candid, it's not even much of a debate. I love MJ, you know that. But no, none of the Bulls teams were as good as that Warriors team when it comes to that team versus the rest of the league. And that's the only way I measure these kind of things. So you could bet Chicago at their pinnacle year about even money to win the title. Even money. It was the Bulls against the league. Golden State, during their peak year, the year Houston was up 3-2, to two, was minus 180 against the league. I mean, it's like, think about it. It's not even a, a smidge different. It's almost you have to bet double as much to win that 100. That's how good that Golden State team was. And amazingly, that season, the Houston Rockets, with an, with an aging Chris Paul, was able to, <laughs> was able to be up 3-2. to two. And unfortunately, at his advanced age, Chris Paul hurt his hamstring and... He wasn't able to play the last two games. And though the effort was valiant, Houston went down. Now, AJ, you're on record as saying you believe Houston would have won that series with a healthy CP3. Yes. Okay. So literally uh, something Harden had nothing to do with prevented Harden from upsetting the greatest team in NBA history. Could the case be made that even losing a tight series makes that Houston team the seventh, eighth, ninth best team in NBA history? Because if you almost beat the best team by the smidgiest of smidges you lose – you got to be pretty close, right? Yeah, they, uh, it was a very. It was certainly the best James Harden team. But, but, but what I'm saying, it might be one of the top ten teams of all time. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I think I think the top ten teams of the last decade. I think they're better than some teams that won the championship in the last ten years, but not of all time. But but, but the point is, do you agree that the Golden State Warriors were the best team ever that yeah. year? Okay, and they they came as close as you can to beating them. That means the distance from Golden State that year in Houston has to be very small. So how can one team be the best and the other one be like 50th? Right? It's an interesting it's an interesting way to look at it certainly. Yeah. But the best teams of all time win championships. That's what, like in every sport, that's the way you're judged. Well, you know, so so you don't think the Patriots were one of the best teams when they went undefeated? They were the best regular season team. Well, <laughs> all right. Um we're I mean, you're count the rings, I guess. All right, fair enough. We're straight out of Vegas. That's AJ Hoffman. He's on the phone technical difficulties, but this is a good time to really dig in. Well, we're almost done with hard now the thing i really dispute and i'm going to open myself up for any questions is what i really dispute is the idea that harden post houston hasn't been amazingly impressive as a player now we know he's quit on his team and at houston i know we quit on his he quit on his team at brooklyn i hate that but i'm separating that from the player on the floor you know there's something called an art they say trust the art not the artist so, like, Springsteen, I, I was a huge fan of Springsteen. And I still am a big fan. But he got so political. And to me, he had some pretty extreme views on some stuff. It was like, man, it's hard for me to enjoy this the same way. And I know that's wrong. And maybe this is what's you know, because you want to just trust the art. Now, when the art is political, now it gets complicated. I know you don't like Harden personally. 
again, another Houston relationship that just wasn't good. I'm not saying it's your fault again. Who knows, right? What was your relationship with Hard? It was very minimal. So he, he, even though you had, you were the co-host of the leading sports talk show in the city, it was like, who cares? Yes. Do you think you could beat him up? Yes. Oh, did you ever wish you could fight him? Uh, no. Because that would be awesome. If you if you beat up Harden, we'd get so much publicity. Like, is there any way we could set that up? You know, just like know what strip club he's at, bump into him, pour, you know. Like where, you ever see the episodes where the Fonz used to act nerdy? He'd put glasses on and talk with a like high-pitched voice. Yeah. We could dress you up nerdy. You following? I'm, I'm in here. All right, all right. Okay. But we probably won't be able to do that. So any, unlikely. So, but I guess the thing about when he was in Houston, it seemed like everyone said, this offense isn't even basketball. Yeah, it takes skill, but so does shooting a shotgun at a target, and that's not what basketball is. The fact that he's gone and been so diverse as a player since then, how can you say that doesn't improve his standing with you? So, to me, there's there's a difference between James Harden's talent level, which I think is great, and his quote-unquote greatness, which is how we judge these all-time players. I don't think he's one of the all-time greats. I think he's one of the all-time great talents. But the fact that he's he's failed so many times in big spots, it, it keeps me from putting him in that all-time great category. Okay, I can accept how he's that. done as a regular season player, you're not going to find me saying much wrong with it. I mean, he's he is a very, very talented dude. So re- regular season, you're saying he's one of the top handful of this generation. Absolutely. Okay. It's not my favorite style to watch, but the talent is undeniable. But back to the style he's been with, with Brooklyn and Philly, I think that's a style everyone likes. He's distributing the ball. He's getting assists. He's filling up the stat sheet. I mean, so, we got to remember, he's played three games with Philly. I think we shouldn't be tripping over ourselves just yet the, with what he's done there. Aren't these the three hardest games, though? Meaning, if integration is the issue with new players, we all remember the big three with LeBron in Miami started, what was it, 8-9 or 9-8, and eight, you know, famously. And, I mean, it strikes me that this is going to be the toughest time, don't you think, at the beginning? Should be. Yeah, so it just goes up from here. So I, I think we've made progress to rap here is what we're saying. He's one of the greatest players of his generation. And we can dispute why he hasn't won a title, but he hasn't. And he can't go to that top, top tier. I think that's where I stand. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's take a look at those two comeback wins last night. The Bucks come back from a late deficit, down 14 with six minutes, and the 76ers come back from an early hole to cover and win against the New York Knicks. Yeah, let's go one at a time here. The, the monster comeback, obviously Milwaukee. And I don't like this because just last night, me and McKenzie made a bet. I took the Bulls. <laughs> And somehow Milwaukee storms back. But we'll see. Bulls, he took Milwaukee. What am I getting? Plus uh, 155? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, plus 155. That's to win the division. So we'll see. But if you had bet at the high point or low point for Milwaukee, $100 on them to win the game and come back. And how many were they down and how much time was left? 
They, they trailed 113 to 99 with five minutes and 49 seconds to go. I think that's almost 14 points. Nearly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly, actually. At that, point po- at that point, at that point, you could have bet 100 to win $5,600. The odds were 56 to 1 against that comeback. And I'm telling you, the odds were much higher than that because the books really are dastardly when it comes to those kind of things. They don't want to give anyone that those kind of odds. Like right now they've got like the Jets at like 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I mean, they don't want to give anyone <laughs> anything that's a big big payout and to, for that baby to be 56 to 1, I got to tell you guys, I don't ever remember a team like when Brady came back if I remember uh, the odds were like 25 to 1. Am I remembering that right? In, in against Atlanta. I don't know what the what the live in game yeah. odds were, but that, that's that's I think well, I've heard I'll you check talk that about that the before. Break. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm almost sure it was that. But um, this is a monster comeback. Now, Mackenzie, you got some ideas. You're younger, in your early 30s. You've got some ideas that 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 whatever we think the comeback was here, that it wasn't that big, that the game has changed, and because of that these comebacks happen more. Yes, I do. I think three ball affects defense and vice versa. When you miss a long three, you're often scrambling. You play bad defense. But when you're making shots and you can get all five guys back, suddenly the other team's scrambling and missing shots and you're getting transition opportunities. The more that three is common, I think the more you see big runs where the defense is fueling the offense, vice versa. That's why I don't think it was one out of 100 like ESPN Gamecast said. I thought maybe it was five or ten percent. So ESPN said it was, what, a 99 percenter, which goes to show you 56 to 1 is not much more than half that. Okay. Now, and I'm not saying they're even wrong in these cases because I tend to agree with McKenzie. Let's think what he's saying. He's not saying that any team has a particular advantage like when they're down 14 or whatever late. He's saying the chance of an extreme result, the chance of a fat tail, as they call it, in statistics, something you just wouldn't see in a long, long time, the chances are better. And what are models based upon? The past. The past. All models are based upon the past. And the past is not analogous in the NBA to the current game. And if they only go back to when Golden State had to line up a death and say, all right, we'll go from then on, they don't have enough games to do these models. And that's why the NFL and all this talk about Bill Belichick's dumb because he didn't go for it here or he kicked a field goal. And my little computer program says he's supposed to go for it here. Well, what's it based upon, sir? Uh, the, The history of this very game. Okay. What's it go back to? 1999. Okay. Hmm. Game's pretty different. Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer aren't winning Super Bowls at this point. But they did early this century. And even if they were young, they're not winning Super Bowls at this point. AJ, do you agree that football's changed a lot in the last 20 years and basketball has too? And do you see McKenzie's point? It increases the chances for extreme results. 
Yes, I do. And I also think the fact that, you know, when you're up 113.99, you know, even as a professional athlete, there's a, a sense that we've got this in the bag. And I think there's an intensity drop. And I think if even for a minute or two, you, you drop that intensity and let another team put up two, three pointers in a row and it's suddenly a game, I, I think that that's just that's human instinct is, is to let your intensity yeah. drop a bit when you feel comfortable. I don't think Milwaukee's opponent would have lost if Harden was on the team. Myself. But that's just a thought. <laughs> so speaking of James, Mr. James Harden, who my understanding is he really uh, contributed a lot of money to the economy in Houston. Uh, he did. The, <laughs> the uh, late night economy. The gentlemen's clubs. Yes. Is it true that they have a like a mural of him at one of them? <laughs> I don't know. I actually, I, I think that's the case. Actually, all right. That so wouldn't surprise sh- me. Let's shift to the Sixers. Yeah, the 76ers, 123-108 winners over New York. The Sixers trailed by as many as 16 in the first half of that game. That's no problem with Harden. So. To me, let's look at the odds because I want to hear what the odds were the day before the trade because there's only been three games played since because the big all-star break and or at least three games that Harden's been in. And what are the odds now for Philly McKenzie to win the title before the trade? Before the trade, they were 14 to one to win the title. All right, so 100 wins you 1400, 14 to one. What are they now? Plus 650 consensus. All right, so six and a half to one. So your payoff yes. has been more than cut in half. 14 to one to six and a half to one. Okay. Yes, from February 10th till today. All right. That's James Harden. AJ, comment. <laughs> no, he's, he's played very well so far. And the, the turnovers dropping, is cert, that's certainly been sort of his bugaboo. So if he if he can keep those under control, it certainly gives him a, a lot better chance. And I was seeing today, I looked at the the new power ratings uh, on CBS Sports, and they had the Sixers as the number one team. I mean, I'm not sure that's wrong. I mean, Embiid is the favorite right now to win MVP. Who's got a better number two than Harden? I mean, maybe the Lakers, but who knows what's going on there, right? Obviously. Well, from a health standpoint, yeah. But it, whatever. They're, they haven't been very good with both the AD and LeBron on the floor. And obviously, they have a better one-two or number two or one-two, right? Because right now, Embiid's considered the best player in the game. So the best one-two in the game, and, and I would make the case better than Brooklyn. Because Kyrie can't compete with Harden. I agree. So, I mean, this is the you know most at least at the top the, the Sixers are the most talented team in basketball, and it's exciting, man. I, I said it earlier this uh, last or earlier this week. I said I've never seen a time that it felt like more viable winners could come out of the East. And I think Miami is clearly a viable winner. Chicago, yes, right? But, you know, maybe not as much as their standing would say right now, but viable for sure. Defending champion Milwaukee for sure. Boston, as hot as any team this calendar year for sure. Brooklyn for sure. Sixers for sure. And would which one of those other Chicago? Let's accept Chicago would be a, a, an upset. You know, and you they, said Miami. Yeah, I said Miami. So I mean, I'm not sure who else would even be like even a double take. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, there are there's certainly a lot of teams. That, the, the Nets, obviously, their record says they're not in that contender area, but certainly they've got the talent if they're all healthy well, to be right back question. there. We know what the odds are, right? They're they're right there and within a hundred cents of any team in the league. Yeah, so McKenzie, it seems a, about as wide open as it's been. Mackenzie, read me all the way to uh, double digits, the favorites. The Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors are both plus four fifty. Then the Brooklyn Nets are six to one. 76ers plus 650, Bucks plus 750, the Heat 10 to 1. Okay. So, 100 I, I guess the West is 150 cents, dollar and 50 better, but the favorite in the East is Brooklyn. Yeah, four teams separated by from from by basically four, four yeah. by four dollars. Yeah, yeah no doubt. But I mean, again, they're the favorite, so I don't think we have to debate are they a viable contender. Sure. And you can bet. I mean, Circa lets you bet against their uh, future odds, right, McKenzie, for the NBA. Yes. Yeah. So, what, what, can you look to see what he'd be he'd be laying? Um, I'm betting maybe what six hundred. If you want, yeah, I'll to, grab that in a sec. Yeah, because if you want AJ, you can make a statement and say I'm going to go bet whatever against the you know the uh, Nets and and you know you can pr- back it up. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kenny Pickett, the story of the day, how big are his hands? Yes, and this is major. He may, no pun intended, this is major the measurement and eight and a half inches. That might sound good, but we're talking about hands. And, well, that's small. And size does matter. In fact, we've got a database. And in this database, what year does it start, McKenzie? 2012. Okay. So from 2012 on, we got every quarterback that was drafted and every quarterback that played a snap, even if they had been drafted before that. How many quarterbacks are in the the total uh, of this database? 72. Okay. 72. How many do you think have a hand size smaller than nine inches? So eight and a half, very small. How many do you think have smaller than nine inches? Two. Two. And one of them, Brandon Allen. I call him Little Flipper. And the and the the other is Taysom Hill. So was he a quarterback? I don't know. You know, he wasn't drafted as one and he hasn't really played all that well, you know, as a quarterback. That's it. So I don't know AJ, who's the best quarterback in the league right now with a hand size below nine? You can pick him. It sounds like Taysom Hill. Little Flipper? No. Yeah, no, no. I'll go with Taysom Hill over Little Flipper. Although you may have to change Little Flipper's name because his hands are bigger than Kenny Pickett's. Oh, the, but I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be in the league, so it won't matter. <laughs> you now, don't think so? No. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Last year, there was a quarterback who was getting massive heat about his small hands. And 
we actually clipped up. Now, what I got here literally is real. The only thing is, in this interview, I rearranged the order of some stuff. But this is 100% real. This was about Joe Burrow. Let's listen. The bigger the hands, the better, obviously. You're talking about the difference between Russell Wilson at 10 and a half inches. I was at Russell's pro day, and I said, did you see his hands? They're ginormous. And Joe Burrow, with his tiny, minuscule baby doll hands, turns out Joe Burrow needs to look for something else to do with his life. (laughs) That's true, AJ. In hindsight, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? It needs to find something else to do with his life because his hands are an inch and a half smaller than Russell Wilson's. It's a cold take exposed. But aren't we saying aren't we saying the same thing by the eight and a half? So nine's okay apparently. What about eight and a half? Well, the last quarterback to have success with hands smaller than nine inches is Michael Vick, the last quarterback to have sustained success. And I think with Kenny Pickett in particular, it may be a problem because at Pitt, in 50 games, he fumbled the ball 38 times in his career. That's over .75 per game. Wow. To to contrast that, Joe Burrow, who played 38 college games, had nine fumbles. That's less than .25 per game. So over a half fumble game more for uh, for Kenny times, Pickett three times as much too per game yeah I, with with Joe than Joe Burrow and remember RJ the football's bigger in the NFL that's true geez so if you're fumbling th- uh, three quarters of a time you know uh, almost won a game and, and and obviously the DNs aren't as good I mean and listen this is a Pickett's a fellow who really has emerged late right he wasn't like very good a couple years ago. Yeah, Kenny Pickett was not a guy projected to be – he was projected to be a, a draftable quarterback, but was not projected a first-rounder at all before this year. Now, i got to be candid. I don't have monster hands, and I always did better throwing a Nerf football. So That makes sense. I don't know, right? <laughs> so, I don't think they're going to make an exception for Kenny Pickett and let him play with a Nerf, though. I think they may, they may frown on that. I think you're right. So, it's funny, because Malcolm Gladwell – who is a you know pretty famous or quite a famous writer of sociology and different observations and in the tipping point I th- yeah it was the tipping point I think it was he talks about how that w- that in any given field of expertise NFL obviously is a high uh, uh, it takes massive talent and, and and you're very lucky and you get paid well if you make the NFL right so it's an exclusive club. That what there is is it's not like all the qualities that matter keep getting better uh, as you have more of it. So like size matters. Let's say height. If you're five foot two, you can't make it as a quarterback in the NFL. But if you're six nine, it's not necessarily better than being six five. So the question in these measurements are: What's the minimum that's viable? Right. And what we may be seeing is that nine inches is the very minimum in hand size that's viable. And anything below that, you just don't have the prerequisites. You don't have the basic tools to play the game. Now, we could say, well, Vic did. It's like, but how good was Vic as a quarterback? If he couldn't run, because the running didn't really, it wasn't affected by his hands, then he probably, because it's not just fumbles, it's ability to throw in cold weather, 
I mean, so my point if would Mike, be, if Mike Vick had Kenny Pickett's forty time, he wouldn't have lasted long in the league. Yeah, he, well, he would he, he wouldn't have got drafted. <laughs> so I mean, to me, this is a situation where it, it's kind of sad to think the guy's genetics might dictate his career. But the reality is, in all walks of life, there's going to be minimums. If you can't meet him, you're not going to be in the game. And before today, before the the measurement, he was the favorite to be the first quarterback selected in the draft. He was plus 120. He's now plus 150, and Malik Willis is the favorite. So the so you, what you're saying is, based upon his hand size, the odds have moved. The odds have moved from him being the first guy taken to now, nope, not the first guy taken anymore. If you're looking to bet draft props, consider looking at the 40 times in the expectations, and if someone at receiver or running back does much better or much worse, you might want to bet accordingly because nothing is more predictive of draft position than 40 times for those skill position players. Having seen Joe Burrow have the success he had, does, is, does this scare you off of Kenny Pickett as a prospect? Yeah, it does because it's, it's even smaller. So, good show today, though. All right. If you missed any of today's show, including a healthy debate between RJ and I on the standing, the status of James Harden as one of the greats of his generation, you can check out the podcast over at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're going to be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. We'll have some more uh, combine stuff to discuss. Hopefully not too much hand size, but we are going to get some running in tomorrow. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! We